0: Welcome to the Wild Grand Rapids Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experienced the presence of God through this message by Apostle Kathy L. Ali. Ooh, I just about tripped right up the stairs. Y'all ready? Today yeah. is a new day. A new day. Today, Today I will be transformed. By the power of God, by the presence of God, and by the word of God, to never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. You know, we have actually about 60 plus children total. And um, yeah, that was more than what we started the church with. And uh, when we started the church, we didn't have any children. And, uh, but this is a really important um, Topic, an area for us of need. So if you're sitting here and you're not involved in any area yet, um, I really encourage you um, to get involved with the children's ministry. Even if it's you just do it once a month or, you know, every six weeks, anything that you can do would be such a blessing uh, to the children and to the parents and to all of us. Amen. So, how many of you were here last week and um, uh, heard the message on being shameless? Raise your hand. Okay, quite a few. How many of you weren't here last week? Again, quite a few. Okay. Um, I kind of skimmed through a little bit, but Probably going to have you go online and uh, watch it we do record all of our messages and uh, so you can watch them or you can just listen to them so that either one there's a video or you can just um, do audio as well and we have like a YouTube channel or something like that podcast now and all that kind of stuff I have no idea what they do I just get up and preach and they do all that other stuff Um, but how are you guys doing you excited I'm super excited I'm so excited about the fact that um, we get to walk around and be shameless and shame-free, and that that's a good thing. The world looks at it as it's not good. It's like arrogant to say that you're, that you're shameless or shame-free, but that's what Jesus came to do is to set us free, amen? And this morning, or this morning, uh, was it Wednesday morning, we had a vision-casting um, meeting and uh, we were just talking about what we want to see in the next year and some different ideas and things that we believe that god's been laying upon our hearts and uh, one of the things that he spoke to me is i don't know if many of you have been, ever been like this but i've always kind of waited for someone to say you can do this i was you know like i needed permission and um all of a sudden just read like and I've been you know writing my book on on um, shattering shame and and just preparing these messages too and I was like wait a second I saw and I, I said it in the meeting like a stamp that said permission granted and I don't know why I needed that but it was from the Holy Spirit and I'm like oh, I'll steam ahead and so there's some things that are coming up that I can't share with you yet, but one of the things I'm gonna be um, leading that will really encompass um, like the whole area, like leaders in, in maybe business. I'm gonna just put a little tad out there. I'm not supposed to say anything yet because we're not done. But anyway, um, I have to. And then um, we have that coming up and I'm real excited about. <laughs> And that's all I'm going to say. Matthew's down there going. But I, I, I'm pumped because it's like there's there's so much that's been stirring in me that I've been waiting. I've been waiting on permission. I've been waiting for someone to say, hey, you should do this. And all of a sudden, God says, permission is granted. So we're going forward. And guess what else? We're starting a men's and women's ministry. So we're going to have, um, yeah, it's not going to be the typical, like, yeah, ugh. Anyway, because I've never liked women's ministry. So this is not going to be, you know, tea and crumpets. And uh, so and men, you're not just going to have burgers, okay? So this is going to be, Matthew's going to lead the men's ministry, I'm going to lead the women's ministry, and eventually my plan is to raise up somebody who's going to be able to lead it. But I'm excited, I'm thrilled, um, I have a lot of anticipation for it. So we'll have some dates that are going to come up, um, up ahead, and we're going to launch those two ministries, um, with just having a time of fellowship. Um, you know, breaking bread, and um, kind of have some ideas of some things that we're going to do with that. So anyway, isn't that good? All right. Um, Three of the things that we're focusing on um, in this, not just this year, but it's really a culture that we're wanting to create, is first of all, His presence, If any of you have been coming to the well for any length of time, you know that we put his presence first. And uh, we love his presence, and it is all about Jesus. It's all about um, encountering him and him encountering us. It's not just us encountering his heart, but it's also him encountering our heart. Amen. And then the other thing is we're all about family. We love family. We believe in family. And we don't believe that family is just like your immediate family, but I believe that we are all family. We're part of the body of Christ. And so we want to create an environment and a culture that's cultivated where you know that you are loved and accepted and that that's why we create a shame-free area. And um, so we're looking for where we can put signage, where we can you can see this over and over again, shame-free, because we are walking around as people that God has set free. Amen? And so um, there's just a few of the things that we're um, thankful for and we're excited about. Um, So let's get into the message. Um, So just remember, permission granted. Permission is granted over your life. Jesus already did everything. There's dreams and desires that he has given you. Don't wait for someone to approve of it. Um, Just know that um, when we are walking together in family, other people will see it, and there will be a witness uh, with them as well. So I'm going to just go back up a little bit. I'm going to talk about shame. I'm going to talk about the definition of shame because shame wants to rewrite your story. It wants to completely redefine your identity. And uh, we're not going to allow that to happen. We're not going to allow shame to rewrite our story or to redefine our identity, are we? Um, shame is a feeling that there is something basically wrong with you. Rejection is one of the greatest uh, tactics and tools that the enemy uses, because you just feel unloved, you feel unaccepted, um, you feel as though um, there's a core value of, of yours that's been, um, been like messed with, and so the feeling of guilt is different. It's about doing something wrong, whereas shame is about doing, being wrong at the core. So the feeling of shame comes from that belief, I'm basically flawed, inadequate, wrong, bad, unimportant, undeserving, and just not good enough. So at some point in our lives, many of us have uh, held on and believed in that false belief system that because we've done something wrong, then we are wrong because we've 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 sinned and fallen short of the glory of god then we are basically flawed and we're inadequate uh, perfectionists will struggle in this area probably more than anyone else because of the fact that they feel as though they have to be perfect and when they're not perfect and they fall short and they sin or they make a mistake or somebody does something to them then all of a sudden now you're left with feelings of shame and shame always leads to isolation it leads to judgment it leads to to, uh, secrecy it, 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 le- it leads to suspicion and and it's, it's just not a healthy place to be in but you feel you feel hidden and you want to hide shame doesn't just come from things that you do sometimes people shame you and, and, and there's and there's nothing that you have done. It's just maybe you didn't measure up to a level where they thought you should be should be at in life. And so they shamed you. It could come from your parents. It could have come from the, when you were a child and all of a sudden you were being shamed because they, they felt as though you were not adequate enough. And so all of a sudden now you've taken on this identity of shame and you've hidden behind it. And what happens is that when we hide behind something, we do it by being busy at work, we do it by, um, Um, By maybe doing yard work, you know puttering around in our garage. We do it by um, getting getting involved in addictions It could be pornography. It could be alcohol. It can be drugs. It can be there's a myriad of things or overworking You just work 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 because you're hiding behind shame because you don't really want people to know Who you are because you feel as though if they know who you are they're not going to like you That's the difference between shame and guilt. Guilt will cause you to say, oh, I made a mistake. And guilt kind of comes with conviction. And then you you realize the mistake and then you get over it and guilt leaves. Shame doesn't leave. Shame becomes a garment that you walk around with and it has to be confronted and it has to be confronted with humility. It has to be confronted with faith. You have to believe that what God has said about you is true. Amen. So shame is also, it's the inner experience of being not wanted, about feeling worthless, rejected, and cast out. This is one of the things that I know, I personally have experienced in my life, is that it's hard when you feel rejected to feel worth like you have any worth. Because when you have worth, um, here, I just, I put this up on Facebook the other day. Give people your best. Don't give them your second best, because if you give them the best, they're going to feel as though they're worthy. Let me tell you a story about a, <clears throat> a mother and a child. This mother, um, she was when she was a child, she was raised uh, in a, a very broken family. Her mother left uh, her hu- husband, her dad, and they ran away. And uh, she said she just wanted to start life over again. So she didn't bring anything with her. She didn't bring, like, just clothes. That's all they had was clothes. They didn't have any food. They really didn't have much money at all. And uh, what they did have, she used for alcohol. And so she started drinking and drinking and drinking. And they just lived in this very small, almost like a cabin-like place. And um, they didn't um, have much food left. the the food that they did have was potatoes, and that's what they ate. For a solid month, all they had was potatoes. And as they were going uh, day after day, week after week, all of a sudden the mom looks and there's barely any potatoes left. And the little girl's looking and she's realizing that her mom is wasting their life away by drinking and running from something and she didn't know what it was. And so they wound up going to this little house down the street, mom was in desperation she said i'm just going to go ahead and i'm going to knock on this door and i'm going to ask them for food because she said if i were a bad person i would rob but i'm not a bad person so i'm not going to rob anybody so she knocked on this door and she um the lady answers it and as she's answering it she opens up the door and they can see inside and they're peeking and this aroma is coming from the kitchen They had just made dinner. It was like roast beef, mashed potatoes, corn, biscuits, gravy, and all of it is sitting out on the table. And it smells amazing. Doesn't that sound good to you? I'm like, wow, that sounds really good actually. (laughs) Can you not just smell it right now? You're like, mmm, yeah, yeah. And so they're smelling this and and she says, ma'am, is an elderly lady, she says, Um, to the elderly lady she says ma'am could you do me a favor could you give my daughter some food we don't have any food and I'm not asking anything for me I just want my daughter to have something to eat and so she didn't even ask her husband she said come in here for a moment and she took every single thing that she had on that table wrapped it up and gave it to them and 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 then and then not only that gave her the best Didn't go into her pantry and and just get a couple of cans of something. Are you listening to me? She didn't make her a peanut butter sandwich. She gave her best to say, I believe that you are worthy of this. So not only did she do that, but she knew the owner of a a small restaurant, this was a small town, there weren't very many places where you could work, she said, I know the owner of this restaurant, I'm going to talk to her, and I'm going to get you a job. So she got her a job, and she worked at nights and and, in the evenings, and her daughter went to the elderly uh, house, elderly woman and man's house, every night while her mother was working. And so 30 years later, the story goes forward, and she thought to herself, that elderly lady, and I, I can't remember her name. I think I'm just going to say it was, we we'll just come up with Ruth. That elderly lady, her decision to say that I believe you're worthy totally changed and transformed that woman's life. 30 years later, she now has a child. And this child wants to be a police officer or wants to serve somehow, because she's instilled these morals and values in her. But now listen to this. So her her daughter's school is doing a food drive. And so she says, okay, she says, I want you to um, go and you know, get the food for, and we're going to bring all the food that we collect and we're going to give it to the poor and to the people who don't have what we have. And so she goes into the pantry and her mother overhears her saying, um, no, I don't want to give her the macaroni and cheese. We like, I like macaroni and cheese. I don't like corn. Let's give him corn. Um, and she's picking all the stuff out that she doesn't like. How many of you have done that? And her mom gets tears in her eyes and says, Honey, I obviously have not done what I thought I did with you. Sit down and let's talk. She said, Do you know that your mother never used to have any food? And she told her the story about this this woman named Ruth and said that she gave her best. And do you, know, do you know what that made me feel like? It made me feel like I had worth and I had value. She said, so I want you to go back into that pantry and collect everything that you love and give your best so that the people that are receiving it will know that you cared enough and that they are worthy. Isn't that amazing? Talk about taking care of shame and kicking it to the curb. You see, not only... Do we experience shame? But we can put shame, remember we talked about that, we can deflect it onto others. And we we don't wanna be shame carriers, we don't wanna use our shame card to try to make people feel bad about the decisions that they're making or things that they're doing in their life, no, we wanna be those who break shame off of people's lives. So we have to do is we have to be careful of what we're speaking. We have to be careful of what our actions are. Are you are you doing things that are that are elevating people? Are you doing things and saying things that are causing people not to feel rejected? Are you putting yourself on the back burner and putting somebody else on the front burner? Because that's what we're called to do. We're not called to be the number one in our life. We're called to live a sacrificial life. It looks like serving. It looks like doing things that you don't want to do when you want to do it. Because you want others to feel honored. You, that's what Jesus did. We talked about how do you put a price on something? What is the value of something? It's what somebody is willing to pay for it. And Jesus thought we were so valuable that he was willing to lay his life down for us. But not just for you, for the person that's sitting next to you. Not just for the person sitting next to you, but for the person that you would look at that maybe is in an LGBT plus lifestyle and you think, oh my gosh, hands off, they're in sin. No, he died for them. Do you know that he died for the worst sinner? Do you know that he died for the murderer? Do you know that he died for the people that you walk by every day and you think, I would not talk to somebody like that. But he died for them. He didn't die for all of us who, who look good, who, who you know, have our act together. He died for the people who are in a low place, who are broken and who need people not to just constantly remind them of the sin of their past. I didn't need anybody to remind me of the fact that, wow, you know, do you know, being, being a woman in ministry is hard enough, especially in this community. Because in this community, being a woman in ministry is not really well accepted, in a, and it's just, it is just true. It is what it is. And so now you take a woman in ministry who's the senior leader, who's the founder, and you put her through a divorce. That's, a, that's even better yet. Not only do you have one stain, but now you've got another one. And that shame that you, have to, you can carry around, you can also decide, I'm going to break through that shame, I'm going to shatter it, and I'm going to do exactly what God has called me to do, and I'm going to take a whole lot of people with me. Amen? Amen. I know people who, look, shame comes when you you can look at your children and you're like, oh, my children did not turn out the way that I thought they would. (laughs) And they're not doing what I thought thought they would do. And there's shame that can be attached to that. But you can break through that shame and break free from it as you humble yourself to God. It takes humility and believe what his word says. It is through faith. So shame is believing that one is bad, shame is believing that one is not loved because you feel as though you're loveless, you're not lovable. Shame always carries with it a sense that there is nothing that anyone can do to, and it, 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 to purge its burdensome and toxic presence. It is toxic, it affects every area of your life. And so I want to read a couple of scriptures. First Corinthians chapter five, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So it sounds like to me that we are righteous. Is it because of something that we have done? It's not because of anything that we have done. It says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He took all of our sin. He became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Say, I'm righteous. Righteous. And that is not based on anything that you can do. It's so hard for us to wrap our mind around. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Say New creation. You're a new creation. So if you're a new creation, it says all old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. So you're a new creation. Whatever you've done yesterday, doesn't matter. Anything yesterday on your way here? If you have asked God for forgiveness and you have repented, that is forgiven. And you are a new creation. You literally, that, 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 that's metamorpho. That word literally comes from when you are, it's like a, a caterpillar that becomes a, a butterfly. You are a new creation. You're completely different. You're transformed. You look different on the inside. You may not be able to see it, but you look amazing. Yeah. Say, I look amazing. Even if you get up in the morning, and if you look like I look when I get up in the morning, I'm like, thank God for makeup. That's all I can say. I'm like, whew. And, it's, and, and your, your face is all smushed. Your hair's all over the place. And you're like, just give me like, something. And, but on the inside, you look good. So I look good. You look good. Colossians one twenty two. In the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and in above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So he presents us holy, blameless, and above reproach. Do you see shame mentioned there? No, he says, I present you holy, I present you blameless, I I present you above reproach. See, we have an advocate, that's Jesus. He's interceding on our behalf right now. Right now, he's interceding. He's in intercession for you. He's standing in the gap for you. He is your advocate. Say, he's my advocate. Amen. Amen. So by humility and faith, we receive that we are a new creation, that the old life is gone, our past mistakes and sins are gone, and now we are Christians. We're we're in his likeness. We are his body, doing what it is that God has called us to do. So this is what I wanted to focus on. That was just kind of like a real... Quick summary of what last week was. When we talked about the, the woman at the well. We talked about David with Bathsheba. We talked about the woman with the issue of blood and how the sh- amount of shame that they would have felt and ha- having to press through that and go through that. But here's the thing. So many people really are ashamed of the gospel. And I want to talk to you about that. Romans 1.14. I am a debtor. That word debtor means obligated, both to Greeks, the cultured, and to the barbarians, the uncultured, both to wise and unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. See, that word barbarian literally is talking about um, people whose speech was rude, it was rough, it was, um, they, they didn't speak, um, they spoke in a foreign or a strange language. They were the uncultured ones. And so it was like the down and outers. He said, I'm going to preach to them, I'm going to preach to the learned, I'm going to preach to the cultured, I'm going to preach to the skilled, I'm going to preach to the unskilled. He said, why? Because I'm a debtor. I owe it to them. I, I, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. It is the power that brings salvation. I, and, and he believed in all of it. He didn't believe in just some of it. He believed in the power of the resurrection. If we can believe in the power of the resurrection, then we can believe in the fullness of what the kingdom of God has for us. Which mean, you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We will cast out demons in his name. We bring the kingdom and the presence of God, the kingdom in the midst of a perverse generation in the midst of a people that need the real manifestation of the love and the power of God. Because it's hard to have the love of God without the power and the presence of God. They shouldn't be separated. Yeah. Right? It should be a display. Otherwise, we just good people with good acts. And there's a lot of good people out there that already have good acts. We can have good acts, and we can be good people, but we can also display the person and the presence and the power of God. Because we're not ashamed of it. We're not ashamed to come to, to a service and raise our hands and to invite people to see us raise our hands to a holy God. Because he's worthy. We're not ashamed of the fact that... why because it's a tongue that i have so i can pray and speak the perfect will of god because when i don't know how to pray as i ought to that i am unashamed of the fact that i have a perfect prayer that i can pray amen Amen. and so we shouldn't be ashamed to let other people know that this there's more say there is more i'm unashamed of the gospel of jesus christ amen amen It says, see, the gospel does two things. It brings out shaming behavior in those who will not receive it. They just won't believe it. Or or it gives freedom from shame to those who do believe it. And Paul knew both. So our obligation and and, and our debt is not to wonder or worry what somebody is gonna think or how they're gonna receive the gospel. That is not, that's not my burden. That's, if they're going to shame me for it. Come on, Jesus was shamed. He was spit on, he was ridiculed, he hung on the cross and they said, look, if you can save everyone else, why can't you save yourself? He, he hung on a cross, which is where, 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 where criminals would hang. He, he, he carried, shame tried to knock on his door all the time and he refused, he refused to allow shame to deter him because shame will cause you not to fulfill the call of God on your life. Shame will cause you to rewrite your story. Shame will cause you to have a different identity than the identity that God had planned for you. So you have to say, "I'm unashamed to be the to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ." I am not ashamed. Amen. And I was I was cooking yesterday, and all of a sudden, this dropped in my spirit, and I was like, "Where is my?" I'm like, "Where is my computer?" The reason, listen to this, the reason why some people are ashamed to preach the gospel is because they don't feel worthy. We have preached a performance-driven gospel and not a grace-driven one. And because we all sin and fall short, we feel our witness isn't worthy. So I'm not saying that you should just go out and sin and live however you want to live. You shouldn't. We're supposed to be holy for He is holy, but you're gonna make a mistake. So if you think that your life has to be perfect in order for you to be an effective witness of Jesus Christ, then you are never gonna be an effective witness for Jesus Christ, because none of us are perfect and never will be. The only thing that causes us to be saved in the first place, to have this amazing, amazing opportunity to display the glory of God is His grace. Because he's the one that died on the cross. He took your sins. He took your disease. He did all of that. You did nothing other than simply receive it. So we have this performance-driven church that we have to b- act a certain way, be a certain way, dress a certain way, do all of these things. And if you don't do these things, then you're not going to be an effective witness. You're not being a good Christian. And we don't, we don't say it like that. But that's what gets received. And because that's what gets received, we don't say anything. We draw back and we, we just let people think, well, we're just one of those like casual Christians. We don't want them to know that we are radical, that we love Jesus, and that we're just not perfect, and that I get depressed sometimes. Come on! Are you listening to me? It's okay. When you're saved, it's not going to be perfect. There are going to be times that you're upset. There are going to be times you get angry. There's going to be times that you say things that you're thinking, I should have never said that. Whoa, that just flew out of my mouth. Wow, where did that come from? Where, where do you think it came from? So what do you do? You just get over it. Sometimes you have to forgive yourself. Other people just shame you, shame you, shame you, shame you. How dare you say that? How dare you do that? How dare- Well, you know what? Let them just deal with their own little stuff. Because they got their own stuff in their closet. Remember, people who feel shame deflect and want other people to feel shame so that they can feel better about themselves. So can we have this attitude? that Jesus is enough. That, let's, look, go to Hebrews 12 too. You look at Jesus and how he was walking with like so many people until he said that he was the bread and the uh, blood and the body and the you know what I'm talking about. And then everybody left. Have you ever said something that somebody didn't like? And they just left? I said hmm what happened to all my friends if you put Jesus first see what happened is that he literally got to a place where God stripped away all of his earthly support and so that his first support system would it be his father your first support system can't be your spouse it can't be your best friend Your support system has to be God himself. And then everything trickles down from there. Because otherwise you're gonna put something on other people that they just cannot, they can't hold. And they're gonna disappoint you, because we're not perfect. I've said many times, I'm going to say something you don't like or don't agree with, and I'm gonna offend you. And it's not that I'm trying to, it's just because we're all human. Does that make sense? That's why when you have family, When in family, if somebody says or does something, you don't just run out the door. I say I'm going to find a different family. I'm done with you. You guys are really making me mad. Right? I don't know where that came from, but there you go. So... Jesus is like, okay, I'm getting rid of all this earthly support and here we go How was he able to continue with all the shame Paul experienced it Paul experienced a lot of rejection? Remember rejection leads to shame because it causes you to feel as though at your core value. You're not good enough And let me say this too. There can be a good part of shame that that is not bad because we have core values And so when we do do something that goes against our core value, you're gonna feel shame. So you can use that as a barometer, but just don't stay there. It's like I've just crossed over, I've done something that comes against my core value, and so now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get before God, I'm gonna come boldly before the throne of grace and find mercy and help in time of need. Amen? So we're putting our eyes right back on him. And this is what Jesus did. Hebrews 12, verse 2. He says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Say despising. Despising. And has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Literally, that means to disdain, to think little of, and to think nothing of. That's what despise means. He's like, I'm just not even going to think much of this shame that it's trying to come and knock on my door. Like, I'm not going to listen to it, I'm not going to heed it, because what happens if he does, he would have never fulfilled what it is um, that God had put before him, which was to die for all of our sins, to take the stripes upon his back so that we could be healed. Are you listening to me? And so how did he do that? For the joy that was set before him. So what happens is that he wasn't thinking about what was just right here and now. He was looking out further. And there's something about getting eyes that can see past your present. And so I'm not going to look at my present. I'm not going to look at my past. I'm going to look at the future. And he saw the future. He saw that what he would, the joy that was set before him was the fact that he came and he knew that he was redeeming mankind. That he was coming as the final sacrifice. And so he had that joy that was set before him that was greater than any shame that people were trying to put on him. When they, when he says that I, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me, and then he's hanging on a cross, and they're and, and everyone around is seeing him hang on a cross, and they're thinking, look at you. You're just going to die. Nothing's going to become of you. You're going to die. You save all these people. You're the king of the Jews. You really are the king of the Jews, and how come you don't save yourself? and all of that's still going and he's just holding on to the fa- promise that he trusted his father he knew that when he died that he was going to be raised from the dead you have to understand that there was a level of trust that he came as all he he stripped himself of deity so he walked around as man so he's hanging on that cross as a man and he's taking all of the sin to, it, it was so bad and so dark that the sky split are you listening to me it was sin it wasn't like something little thing it was all the sin of mankind was on him that is crazy to me when you think about how dark that was and how much he must have felt and how separated he felt from his father because his father wasn't looking at the sin he had to let him go down into hades get the keys come back up three days later and he redeemed mankind forever that's a big deal So when shame tries to knock on your door, you say, I don't have time for you because I have some things I have to do. You see, here's the thing, here's the thing. You're gonna make mistakes. Other people are gonna make mistakes. Don't let that be your garment. Are you listening? So what you have to do is you have to, you, you have to repent, you have to keep your eyes on him. And the, here's the great thing, the more you walk with him, the less sinning you will do you <laughs> that the desire isn't there because you want to become like the one that you are beholding but I also recognize that there is a lot of things going on around you that are vying for your attention and, and and there's there's more ads of evil if you listen to what I'm saying there's more evil that's vying for your attention than there is good so you have to be more purposeful to seek that which is good perfect and acceptable in his life and it's you can't do that if you're isolating yourself and that's what shame comes to do because shame comes to isolate do you see how this this just goes around in the circle it comes to isolate you well what if they know about this or what if they know about that or how about the shame that you feel about maybe the way that you grew up we talked about that sometimes it's, it's an embarrassment you're embarrassed by how you were raised you're embarrassed by your family you're embarrassed by your house there's lots of things that cause embarrassment that can actually become our identity if we allow it to but Jesus comes and he saves all of that Amen? Amen. Come on, give God praise. <laughs> Acts four uh, twelve. The gospel of Christ alone is the power of God unto salvation. That is it. Nor is there salvation in any other of any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved my challenge to all of us is not only break free from shame yourself but let's be carriers where we help others break free from shame And let's not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be unashamed. Go into your workplace. Tell people why you believe what you believe. Tell them how you have been redeemed. Share the fullness of the gospel. And don't be ashamed of it. He's not ashamed of you. Don't be ashamed of him. Does that make sense? Don't be ashamed to display the presence and the glory of God. He wants to be displayed. He wants to be experienced. He wants others to know who he is, and not a performance-driven... We don't want a performance-driven gospel. Sam Worthy, I am not ashamed. ashamed. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus that he took all of my shame and nailed it on the cross that my identity is found in you, that we are oaks of righteousness, we're the planting of the Lord, that you may be glorified. And we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. God, I thank you for opportunities to display your kingdom, your love, your presence, your power for people to come and to be discipled into your kingdom. It's more than a prayer. It's my life, it's our life. So we lay it down once again in all humility and we put on the righteousness that you say is ours because of what you've provided, not because of what we have done. We are not saved by our works lest we boast but we are saved by grace through faith. And so God, I thank you that as we go out today, that we're gonna make it a great day. That it is gonna be about family and friends and about you. And we're not gonna hide anymore. And there anyone in here, in Jesus' name, amen. If there's anyone in here and you're struggling with any addiction, at all whether it be pornography or drugs or alcohol or, or or if you just you have shame of any sort that you're still feeling like it's shame is something you got to confront shame is not something that can be um, like bound and and, and cast out. It has to be confronted and it gets confronted with humility of really believing what God says about you is true regardless of how you feel. And then what happens as a result is your feelings start to line up with what he says because the power of shame gets broken off your life. But if that's you, when we call up the ministry team, please come and get prayer. And look, this is a shame-free zone. This is a shame-free zone. This is a safe, safe place. You are so incredibly loved. We love you. Jesus loves you. So that you are in a safe place. Amen? Amen. Give God praise, would you please? impacted by this message. For more information about the Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.